Oh, there it goes. Everybody look up and watch out. It's Keep Up with Sylvan Sane. I'm here with the rest of the Keep Up crew. We're going to make this a little short because we lost a lot of crew members. Let's get into some motherfucking shadow. It's time for some motherfucking shout outs. All right. We have our special guest, Maya Narratives. We went to school together. But I'm going to let her handle, like I said, every week, they get a shout out personally of their own and we get to shout them out and hopefully they get to watch the show. Hopefully they get excited about seeing their name on the fucking screen. Let us know, Courtney. How, let us know who you want to shine. My shout out is for Hijabi and Seoul. Um, she is a black Muslim girl doing her thing in South Korea, showing us how her life is out there. And uh, yeah, check her out. She's super dope. Nice, nice. And I'm very excited to see that. As a matter of fact, there, um, Congress just elected in California the first South Korean um, representative uh, in Congress. So that was really cool. Okay, about for- time. There's a lot of South Koreans right, out there. So they need their right, representation. Right. And so now, now that I don't have Harry, <laughs> I got to look her up. <laughs> California uh, Congress. And I think her name is Kim. I think her last name is Kim. Uh, oh, it's three. Three Korean American women. All right. Michelle Steele, Marilyn Strickland, and damn, they don't show the one that I was actually talking about. <laughs> oh, here she I goes. Believe. Young Kim. There we go. Young Kim. Ah. She's great. She's they're all Republicans. It was a record amount of people that made it to Congress. Hmm. Obviously, the blues. Well, well, you know what? Let's get into what the fuck happened. Don't put it in the shout out. What the f- fuck happened all right to be continued <laughs> so, young, so young kim young kim and the rest of the congress crew obviously democrats lost seats so if you do the math the republicans are the ones that brought in most of the women this year into the ticket we already have the squad on the blue side we all like you know we have a lot of people and that's great i think it's great i don't care if they're red blue purple i don't care as long as women are representing it should be a crime that women are not in representation at least 50%. And men too, to be honest. Like it should be We're like half a rule. The population, we should be half the representation. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And as a matter of fact, you guys make up more than the population. So it should be like a little bit. It should be like 51%, 52%. There we go. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. So actually, let's ask how you feel about that. How do you feel about a record number of people entering politics on the female gender side? And even on the trans, that's been happening the last few uh, midterms as well. How do you feel about that? I think that's amazing. You know, I think that uh, the Trump presidency has been good for waking people up and realizing Uh that your vote matters and realizing that it's not a game. Um, Let's not vote for Harambe. Let's vote for people who we actually believe in and want to see policies go forward that affect you and your community. So if nothing else about Trump, I say that uh, he definitely inspired people to wake up and pay attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, his, his 71 or 72, I think finally the final count, he's lost by like around 5 million votes. But that's a little bit jaded because uh, California gave him like 4 million of those. So that's a really big state. And I, not to diminish his win, Biden won. I think he has like around 307 uh, electoral votes to like 232. That's hilarious because last time he said that was a landslide against Hillary. And now he's saying that it's not even a win. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so we're down to the transition team, which right now I think he picked um, his old chief of staff, uh, Mr. Sale. So that's a familiar face, which kind of um, 
which kind of alerts me a little bit too, because it makes me feel like, even though I'm not a big fan of Elizabeth Warren that much anymore, mm. I still feel that she's important towards a progressive movement, even though she's kind Absolutely. of a big progressive now. I still think that she's still essential in a cabinet position. And same thing with Bernie. There was rumors that he was going to take over the labor department. Mm. Now, like all progressives have feared, they might get stonewalled. How do you feel about that? Do you think that progressive first, need? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, please. First and foremost, Stacey Abrams needs yes, a cabinet position. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I would love to see Warren. I would love to see Bernie Sanders, but there is no Biden without that woman. Um, and uh, another yes. YouTuber, his name is uh, Kev on stage. He made a really good point about what happened with um, what's his name, Terry or not Terry, uh, McMillan in Florida. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Gillum. Gillum. Yeah, Gillum. I forgot his yeah, first Gillum, name was Gillum, yeah. and yeah, and he had the Gillum drug. Gillum, Florida. Abrams in, the, in Georgia. The, the hotel, right? Run. Sorry. It was like the drugs in the hotel, right? That guy that that lost the election, the Senate right. race. So they yes. both run for governor. They both lose by small margins. Mm-hmm. The woman decides to pick her head up, go forward, register nearly one million people to vote. Andrew Gillum, that's his name. Unfortunately, right. falls into deep depression. And, you know, has a huge scandal. Um, so just interesting dynamic of what the woman and the man chose to do. This is a very similar situation in terms of being down, being down in her luck. Um, Stacey Abrams, she deserves, give her her things, all of her things. She deserves everything. So what position do you think then? For Stacey? Oh, man, I think it should be her pick. I mean, she should have been vice president, <laughs> but. <laughs> no, I agree. Like Stacey. I, and, I, and I know this is uh, tough for me to say we would have lost, unfortunately. Um, he And that's a hard truth for me because when I was rooting for Bernie in the primaries and he got trounced in South Carolina and he got trounced mm-hmm. in, I think, uh, New, uh, New Hampshire, that's when – because Bernie was winning in the beginning of the primaries. He was out fundraising, all that good stuff. And so that's why I don't like Elizabeth Warren when she lied yeah. about that meeting that he had and said that women will never get elected. It was like Bernie would say that? he. He threw his support to Hillary after he got cheated by her. Like, what are you talking about? And then, yeah, so I was working at the news agency when that was happening. And they were trying, and even when I was working at the news agency, they were trying to push that narrative. I was like, what? I was like, there's no proof that he said that. You're going to push that? That was like a big argument and shit like that. So what I'm saying is, is that with Stacey Abrams, I agree with you. She definitely needs a cabinet pick. There are some people who are saying that you have more power in the Senate even though she doesn't have a Senate seat yet. So she definitely needs it. Bernie already has one. So does uh, Warren. I think a good spot for her would probably, Oh, they even mentioned uh, Hillary Clinton for UN ambassador, which is a demotion, a demotion. Why would you, why would you even mention her in that? Susan Rice, maybe again for NSA, all that good stuff. I'm trying to think where Stacey Abrams would be really good. (laughs) Cause like it was, it was a lot of grassroots effort. Yeah. It was great. I think she's just brilliant, and I think any position that she would be in, she would excel at, whether it be housing, secretary of state, whatever they put her in charge of, I think that she would be able to just use her influence and just, she just has an incredible way of problem solving and it's an incredible way of organizing. So give her what she wants, whatever she wants, she should have it. This is true. (laughs) This is true. One more question about uh, Stacey Abrams. Do you think that the runoff, the concentration efforts that she's going to put there, do you think that might have a factor in them not being able to put her in the cabinet? Because she has to put a lot of effort in that. And I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it should. I mean, if anything, they place her directly into a cabinet position. She might not agree. You know, she might give up the runoff because she's got a new position there. So, 
loss. And what I meant was that we were the loss is because the same hard truth, like this country that voted for Biden in those states, they weren't going to vote for Bernie. And those same Southern and, you know, Rust Belt and the Bible Belt and all that stuff, they voted for Biden because Biden pretty much is a Republican Democrat. <laughs> he basically is a conservative Democrat. Yeah, Bernie's biggest downfall is only appealing to other Bernie's bros. He didn't appeal to uh, middle America. He didn't appeal to, you know, my aunties and, you know, the, the black aunties and the um, uh, middle Americans who, you know, live in the suburbs and live in farms and things. You know, he appealed to like young people who want to be an up and up and be progressive and be cool. So he didn't make his message more universal. I love Bernie, but I think that was his greatest downfall. Not I, being I have, more universally appealing. You know, at the end of the day, Biden, older folks see Biden, they trust him because he's has a long political game. You know, he's been in politics since what, the 70s? He was vice president, you know? He seemed yeah. more tempered, even tempered and laid back. And I think when the average American maybe thinks of uh, Bernie, it's like, who's that angry short guy who's always... <laughs> A clean Young pair of underwear. underwear. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love Bernie. I love Bernie. Maybe to the average person. So yeah, so uh, it's great it just seems young people, but it didn't make it much of a universal appeal. I think that was his downfall. Yeah. yeah, and even though it was just a movie uh, recount with um, uh, Kerry Washington and Greg Kinnear and uh, Wendell mm-hmm. Pierce playing uh, Clarence Thomas, uh, they depicted. Greg Kinnear, they depicted Joe Biden again. He was very sympathetic towards Clarence Thomas and towards um, the Republicans um, having their fair shot at having their Senate, having their vote count towards that. He didn't want to see them do that to Democrats later on. So like that, that pointed exactly to what you expressed, saying that like he's able to reach across the aisle and as great as Bernie is, which I don't think this country needs. I think this country actually does need somebody like Bernie. We, we have been too much centered in politics, right-centered, and I think that we need a little bit more left-leaning in order to get over the hump. But the country ain't ready. They ain't on that. Yeah, I agree. Democrats just need to be more savage. The, the Republicans are savage. They flip-flop all the time. If Obama's <laughs> president, we don't want to have him. It's not fair for him to do a Supreme Court nominee towards the end of his presidency. If Trump's in power, it's totally fair. Of course we should have our Supreme Court nominee. You know, They don't care. They go for what they want, and they break the rules, and they're unapologetic about it. Whereas the Democrats are more, let's be bipartisan. Let's reach across the aisle. Let's do it the right way. You know, sort of play fair, play by the rules. And the Republicans are like, no, we do what we want when we want. And we flip flop and are hypocrites all the time. And you're right. You're right. You're right. Sometimes the Democrats are way too self-righteous. And it's hilarious because the RNC didn't get hacked during that uh, Hillary Clinton scandal, the email scandal. There was only the DNC that got hacked. Imagine mm. if the RNC got hacked. There would have probably been way more shit coming out. Yeah. And to piggyback on what you said before with the um, Obama not being stonewalled with Maverick Garland. On, right now, as a matter of fact, Nancy Pelosi just asked Lindsey Graham to stop packing the court still. And he's like, no, no. And even though Biden, like, you know, has been elected through the media and he hasn't been certified by the states yet, but still, like, there's world leaders calling him. There's people within the administration. There's people on the Republican side, Democrat side, declaring him the winner. And still, and still, no, no traction in that area. No traction yeah. in that area. No. It's, that's all right. We'll be all right. We're just going. We're just going to keep heading forward. Just stay calm and keep going. I guess. 
<laughs> it can be easy, Ugh. I think, to get overwhelmed and just be panicky about what's going to happen. I see a lot of social media posts about the Proud Boys are going to come out and attack everyone. There's going to be a civil war. I think we all just need to take a deep breath. Biden has won the presidency. And let this be a lesson to us in terms of making sure that your vote does count. It does matter. And just move forward. Yeah, definitely. So the Million MAGA March, there has been, and there wasn't that much violence. Obviously, there's always violence at any protest, whether there's agitation from the police, whether there are people supplanting themselves in a protest like with BLM. They've caught lots of people that are not associated with the movement at all, just trying to interfere, just trying to cause chaos. And of course, there's knuckleheads. We're a mixed bunch, man. We're America, mm-hmm. man. That shit happens. That shit happens. It's all good. But the Million MAGA March had thousands, and it obviously was dubbed Million MAGA March. Now, with the Million moniker, we have the William, the the, uh, the Women's uh, March that happened that had records amounts of women, actually the most women in one spot in history. And then before right. that, you had the Million Man March with Al Sharpton and lots of advocates. How the hell do you call something a Million March when you don't even have close to a million people? Well, it's just like um, Blue Lives Matter, right? It's like, can you just come up with your own slogan? Why do you have to take our stuff? You know, <laughs> when you say million in front of a march, you automatically think of the Million Man March of the 90s. It's like we talked about the Women's March. It wasn't called the Million Women's March. It was just no. the Women's March. So yeah, it's just exactly. interesting that they always uh, brand themselves off of something that we created. Um, that's my first beef with the million MAGA march is like come up with your own name like be be original be unique exactly exactly man crazy but you're right they stick together they're better at it um they took down we've talked about it on the show before they took them down al franken which was rightfully so holding that woman's boobs in the picture that was not nice uh my uh and then these are just people at the top of my head michael weiner you know, they take them down. They, the, the Democrats take each other down in order to show how self-righteous they are. And again, naturally so. But the Republicans, they will go down to the death of it. They will say right now they're most of them, Jim Jordan, all of them. They're all like, no, Trump won. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Lindsey Graham, definitely. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're ta- Mike Pompeo. Motherfuckers like, yeah, I'm ready for the second term. What are you mm-hmm. talking about? So anyway, that's the rhetoric, in. I think, that makes things scary, you know, especially with so to the million MAGA march, the idea that, you know, we have to realize there are people who are angry that he didn't win. There are people who are convinced that this is a stolen presidency and that seeing those folks out in the streets protesting like that is just a reminder that half this country is going to be really bitter about there not being a Trump presidency. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not going to lie, like the things that I saw, which were mostly, you know, Twitter and internet sensations, Mm-hmm. Memo to my audience and anybody that watches this: research doesn't mean watching another person's YouTube video. That's not research. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people feel that that's research. So, I researched this. I researched it. I went on YouTube and I saw this video. No, that's not research, my man. Take the tinfoil off your fucking head. That's not research. With um, <laughs> so I saw Dominion and it was it was shaky. I'm not gonna lie. And they said it was used, like some parts were used in China, just like most of Trump's manu. Actually, most all of Trump's manufacturing. That's hilarious when they go made in China, the China virus. And I'm like, his whole operation is in China. What are you talking about? Everything that he all makes. All the red hats were made in China. Exactly, which was a stolen slogan from Reagan. We've talked about that before too. Mm. Holy shit. But yeah, man. Um, yeah, they're just way more unified. They just stand by each other and it doesn't matter. And like you said, it's it's, it's going to be a bumpy road, man. They're not going down, man. He he even before even before he ran for president, there was rumors that he was going to start a rival media company against Fox News. 
And with this power that he has, that's 71 million votes. That's a lot of fucking votes, man, for a loser. Um, he is going to start his own PAC, his own super back. He's gonna, and that's powerful, man. Like it or not, these uh, Republicans did a deal with the devil, and he's the face of their of the fucking party. I mean, they got everything they needed out of him. That's my thing. You got your Supreme Court. They packed up all the judges. So, like, let's just – you got what you want. You, It's a good chance they may even win the majority um, with the House and with the Senate. So can we just bow gracefully now? Like, now you're just being greedy. <laughs> right. Like, you put the, the, the um, real um, – you know, the celebrity up front, and, uh, you know, he won. So – let, now let's transition out of it. He got, he gave you everything you wanted. Right. Owen 16 in the courts. And yeah, if, and these were all picked by him. These judges were picked by him. The most in history, him and Moscow, Mitch picked the most judges in history, all red, pretty much all white, no females. There was 50. Uh, what's his name? Biden. Biden put, uh, pointed it out on one of the debates saying there were 50 straight appointees that were white males. 50 yeah. straight. That's crazy. And they're lifetime appointments. Federal judges are lifetime positions, so you can't. But remember when you know Hillary and her emails, and it's just two evils that are exactly the same. Like it doesn't matter. It matters. Like you said, fifty men have now been appointed for life, Supreme Court oh justice for life. It matters. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's the, shout that's out. not the equal of two evils. No, it matters. No. And Real to, yeah, no. Happen. Perfect, perfect. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to piggyback on what you just said. About Phil Porter, my man, uh, be more in uh, intelligent. Shout out to him. He's a great, he's intelligent guy, awesome guy to speak with, especially about sports and politics. And he sent me a video. We talked about it in the pre-meeting. And he sent me a video of a, a white guy pro protester at the Washington, D.C. I don't even think, and I'm not, I don't, I think it's an old video, by the way. I, I looked at it. And I remember it when I worked the news. And I'm like, this looks like the same fucking video from another city. I'm like, so anyway, but let's pretend that it is in, in, in the same focus. The guy got beat up by another protester, I believe, another black person. He got cold cocked, actually. He got cold cocked in the back. It wasn't nice. Mm. Nobody should be doing that. And and Phil was right. He was like, everybody has a right to peacefully protest. Again, we're, we're, did we apply that same logic? Hold on, let me open this up a little bit. Did we apply that same logic in Charlottesville where they were shot point blank? Did we uh, apply that same logic when people are getting run over by vans, BLM members, are we applying that same logic of that 15-year-old boy that shot the the guy during the protests in Kiosha, Wisconsin? Mm. Are we applying that same? So like you said before, like, let's keep that same energy. Like, let's not, why are you trying to make me feel bad about this MAGA supporter when all this shit's been happening? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to see violence come at all. And uh, that's definitely the protesting that makes me nervous, you know, and I live in Chicago and there were a few instances where I was just la la da da I'm going to go get some lunch and walk down the street and my right and there's hundreds of people coming down the street with their signs and, and protest. I was like, I didn't know it was a process. I, like, I got to get on the schedule of the protest so I know when they're happening so I'll get caught up in the middle of it. Um, but um, I think that I'm glad, at least with the MAGA Million March, that there were only a few instances. I think they said about 20 people got arrested. There were a few scuffles. One person did get stabbed. Um, oh, but ouch. yeah, we. I, I. What scares me about these protests is that it's going, you know, just ignite more tension and ignite this idea that we we need to be fighting each other and we need to get in the streets and we need to be violent with each other. You now I have family members who say things casually like, "Well, you know, there's a race war. We'll win." I'm like, "Well, we're, you know." 12% well, of the 12 population. of the country, yeah. 
not, like we let's not try to get this is not a movie let's not get hung up like you're like you the, ask people who come from war-ridden countries you don't want to live in a country that's been in a real war you don't want to live in a country no. where your neighbors hate each other and are looking to destroy each other we don't want that you know no you're right they call civil war race war and it's mostly i mean i'm not trying to point blame i'm not but it's mostly on the other side. Hannity, I've heard say it many times. Ingram, I've heard say it many times. Trump, I've heard say it many times. It's a big, big memo push for that that platform. They love to push the civil war, uh, uh, and not just those pundits. It fucking trickled down to their base because the people that I know that are Trump fans, they repeat it all the time. Repeat it all the time. Yeah. Civil war, race war, civil war, race war. And now you got people really believing in it because they're just like you said it so many times. Now I'm saying it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So that's why I really want to encourage people to take a deep breath and r- repeat, after, just repeat to yourself, Biden has won. We will go back to <laughs> civilized government. You know, I don't want folks sort of amping themselves up for this race war. We just, you don't want a race war. You this don't want true. that. We don't want that. Right. Let's talk about some movies and some television. We just want to forget this whole thing ever happened. This- what the fuck did I watch? All right. We skipped the here, but we're, we'll get back to that. It's okay. But uh, I figured this was a little lighter, and and also our guest actually looked at some of the trailers, so I didn't. I, I want to get. I want to get her. I want to get her talking. I don't want to just like get into <laughs> something that she don't know about. So here we go. Guest House that is with uh, Paulie Shore. Mm-hmm. He is fifty something years old now, so like you know we haven't really seen much of him. It actually was really really funny. I thought he was going to be washed up. I thought, and he didn't try too hard to like be young. He. Stayed his age, he stayed in his lane, and he let everybody else do their thing, and that's how you should do it. It's like very reconnaissance of like uh, National Lampoon, actually, basically like the movies he used to come out with, and it actually worked. There was really good cast members. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Did, did you enjoy Paulie Shore, like Biodome or anything like that, growing up? Uh, yeah, I think he's hilarious, and I think that this new movie is sort of like the 2020 version of something like the lampoon movies um and also it's interesting how this is extended adolescence now into adulthood um mm-hmm. with him being in that in that guest house and obviously being irresponsible and doing drugs and partying and all those things but i did appreciate that he wasn't trying to be young he was being like just an odd older male character who's just not ready to give in and get a mortgage and get a regular job he still yeah. wants to live his best life so yeah yeah, it's not the I best like script. I'm really sure funny. you got it all from the trailer. I'm sure like it all came through yeah. on the trailer, but it's still really funny. Definitely entertaining. Definitely really like, yeah. So if you're into that kind of hijinks, very good movie. Um, nobody really else too famous. Maybe like Lou Ferrigno from The Hulk. There was like a couple of those kind of cameos, kind of like Ted. You know what I'm saying? Like people that are like pop culture, like icons. They make like little cameos within the, the, right. the film. So yeah, nothing too major than that. Paulie Shore is basically the the lead. Um, Actually, no. Oh, there is one more. His fa- um, the guy's father-in-law, Billy Zane. There you go. He's one of the Billy Zane from the Mummy and all that good stuff. Um, what was what was that uh, movie where he was a uh, uh, the Phantom? Oh, that was a bomb. That bombed. He that was a superhero mm. movie before superhero movies were really popular. But he was a Phantom, and that shit sucked. Yeah. Anyway, Sputnik. I thought it was on video on demand. It's not. They actually debuted it on Hulu. Um, I did get it on video on demand. But now they have it on Hulu and it's Russian. It's in Russian subtitles. So I don't know if anybody's against that, but um, it's really good. It's really good. Um, it's based in 1983. They go up into space. Um, these two Russian cosmonauts, that's what they call it in Russia. They don't call it astronauts. As a matter of fact, we're the only ones that call it astronauts in mm. other countries that they mostly call them cosmonauts. 
So uh, they go up there and only one comes back. The other one is like brutally fucked up, dismembered, and an alien supplants themselves into the other one. And the guy doesn't really, you don't think he knows about it. And this woman is brought into the camp in order to interrogate it out of him and try to separate the alien out of his body. And it's special effects are nuts. Obviously, um, you know, we're American. So Americans are pretty shady with the CIA, but the Russians and the Kremlin and shit, they're even worse. So (laughs) So when you're working on like a secret operative over in Russia, there's like, there's like no facial expression. It's just like, yep. We'll kill anybody to get it done. And that's basically what's happened in this movie. It's incredible. It's one of my favorite picks of the week. Um, what'd you get from the trailer? Did you did you think did it look interesting? A F. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is Friday the thirteenth and we had Halloween going. So yes, I have to watch yes. a lot of scary stuff. I noticed the theme in a lot of the movies that you have in the docket. I was like, okay, we're here spooky season. I'm here for it. Um <laughs> I think it's interesting they named the Sputnik. You know, Sputnik was the first sort of satellite to orbit the Earth before the U.S. was able to send the man to the moon. So, happy so I you think said that. they're a little reminder, like, don't forget we did it first. Um, did. So I thought that was interesting. And just the, the mood and the tone in the movie, like, it looks, looks like a lot of jump scares and it looks like a lot of details in the graphics. And, yeah, I was like, okay, I could, I definitely see myself watching this movie. But oh, maybe when I'm when I watch it because it's not that scary it's not, when, the, when the aliens are around <laughs> yes but like it, it's a lot of uh posturing in between so it's very mm. good i'm glad you i'm glad you're into it citation my first nigeria movie i'm actually disappointed in myself i thought that i had seen nigeria and nigeria is one of the meccas of film uh, nigeria, come on now exactly i know i'm so disappointed in myself maybe i have <laughs> seen something but i don't remember i can't like recall it so i, I guess i'm gonna have to dub this until i remember uh, Nigeria, Belgium, uh, Bollywood, uh, South Korea, so many areas of the world. Bong Joon, uh, oh, he finally got recognition, but he's been a, a major player in movies for a long time. It's the U.S. that's behind when it comes to like recognizing yeah. these countries that actually generate more revenue than the U.S. when it comes to film. When it, yes, especially Bollywood, Bollywood is like five times. South Korea is like three mm-hmm. times. So mm-hmm. actually, touch on that real quick because you did live in South Korea, but you lived in Asia, South Asia for a while. Yeah, I did. I lived in South Korea and I also lived in Thailand. Um, yeah, we are not the center of media in the world. No. We're not. Uh, we think that we are, but we're, but we're not. We have a lot of obviously like American imperialistic culture that's around the world, you know, like especially with hip hop. That really surprised me. I think a lot of hip hop influence in Asia. Uh, but it, when it comes to film, yeah, there's and especially cartoons and stuff, too. Like when I would meet people from Germany, Thailand, and somewhere in South America, and they all know like the same cartoons, and they all grew up watching those. That's and dope. I've never heard of them in my life, you know. So it's just interesting how we're so separate from the rest of the world, but we seem to think everyone worships us. <laughs> You're right, and it's so not true. BBC, like all these film industries, are just really awesome. They have like, uh, and we, and I discussed this. Uh, I had to do a project on Belgium. That's why I know a little bit about the Belgian film industry. Um, and it's it's like this. I, I think America is like one of the only film industries that operates with the capitalist version of it, um, a top heavy, just like the music industry. Beyonce, for instance, on Sony Columbia, if her album doesn't do well, then a lot of indie projects don't get commissioned or greenlit. And the same thing in the movie industry. That's, a, a mm. I, I think, a pretty good example. Um, so let's say Transformers or the Marvel movies. If they bomb, that means less budget for indie movies like uh, I'm trying to think of one. Oh, these movies right here. I'm, most of these are indie movies. So Sputnik <laughs> is an indie movie. 
it did have moderate graphics like you saw in the CGI, but it's not, it's nowhere near something. It's like Marvel or uh, Transformers or a budget like Crazy Rich Asians or something like that, which just started getting that kind of budget Asians. Mm. Um, so what did yes. you think of Citation? Would I, oh, what? sorry. <laughs> the movie Citation? Yes, yeah. I was going to get that. So sorry. I like that. Oh. I like that. Keep me on point. <laughs> I loved it. Again, one of my favorite films. Great, great movie. So it is about this woman. Um, she's in Nigeria. She's a student, a young student in graduate school. And there is this male teacher that takes advantage of his position, um, tries to abuse his power by trying to come on to her. Now, in Nigeria, every country is different. They, it's very similar, the panel and stuff like that, like we were talking about with DePaul. Um, but they're very rigorous. They're very, like, it could go the other way, like, very quickly. It could go towards the teacher's side. So you see it unfolding. They do it kind of, like, in a, um, in a flashback. They kind of time loop a bunch of times. Until mm. you see, until you finally see the verdict, which I won't tell you, but it's incredible. Great. Loved it, loved it. Citation yeah, on Netflix. I, Go ahead. When I saw the trailer, it just looked like interesting because it, it plays so many different sides. Just from the trailer, where you think like, you know, did he come on to her? Did she come on to him? Um, is she telling the truth? Is she is she exaggerating, or is she really? concerned about her reputation and protecting it. So why would she make this up? So just from the trailer, you get so many different ideas of how many um, directions that narrative could go into. So I thought that was interesting to see. They did. And they did that. And they, and they perfectly portrayed that in the movie too. Like, even though it's easy to root for her in the movie, they throw little uh, breadcrumbs showing that maybe it's possible that she was lying. So it's very good. Very good. So um, I hope you get to watch that. Um, industry is on HBO. I only got to see one episode. They only have one premiere episode is very, very good. Um, it's about, I was about a, a cast of characters, but one character, she is a black female from America. She kind of scams her way to get a position in Britain in like this, like, um, this financial banking institution. So it's a lot of like kind of wall street vibe, a lot of like newsroom vibe, but mm -hmm. everybody's British pretty much except for her. So it's very interesting. Um, the demographic, like we talked about in the pre-meeting, um, is very young, um, kind of like um, uh, Euphoria. Euphoria with my homegirl, uh, Zendaya. I love that show. So it's got a lot of those elements. HBO took some notes, did their homework. And they and like they said, they marketed it to their fans. They noticed Euphoria did very well. Newsroom, all these shows. And they packed it in one. How'd you like the trailer? That's exactly what I thought when you said newsroom. I thought, like, this is so newsroom. This is like the millennial newsroom show. Because yep. um, young folks climbing their way up the corporate ladder and, and in the meantime, coming into all this wealth. And with that wealth, what do they do with it? Um, and everyone trying to put on this cool facade, but also be very cold and competitive. And I thought, yeah, I thought, like, oh, okay, this is interesting. This is definitely for younger crowd and people who see themselves as you know glowing up and blowing up and you know being a ball like, can't grow up like me right <laughs> <laughs> so I, I didn't realize that the black girl uh i didn't realize that she was american from the trailer so yeah that, now that makes sense too so and they, yeah, i don't think she talks in the like trailer at all yeah, it is. yeah i don't think she talks in the trailer so it wouldn't I, I wouldn't be able to tell that either and i didn't know either i thought that she was british too when i first started watching i agree so uh, there's another movie, another suspense thriller that's within the uh, the realm of Friday the Thirteenth and all that good stuff. There's um, so it's pretty it's pretty simple. It's this woman that is being uh, stalked by this guy on the road. That's basically mm -hmm. what alone is, and she ends up in uh, the woods in Portland, Oregon, 
and she's just basically by herself the whole time. That's why it's called alone. Like she's she's just trying to get away from this guy. He's fucking psychotic as fuck. It's crazy. Yeah. If I to be honest, if I was someone that like was in vulnerable areas, like in alleyways, often and shit like that, I wouldn't watch this shit. <laughs> or if like I, or if like yeah, if I'm like a vulnerable person, like if I'm like someone that does just doesn't feel safe by myself often, this is not the movie for you. And I wish yeah, I knew the. Know, Go ahead. Sorry, yeah, as a woman who lives alone, I don't know if I'm going to watch alone because and as a woman who, my day job, I, I used to travel a lot before the pandemic. So I've been in like small towns and hotels and stuff like that. So I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this movie from the trailer because it's about her as a woman traveling alone and this man like creeping on her and her like trying to call for help and saying someone's following me. It seems like that doesn't get taken seriously. So, uh, but yeah, if you're looking for a real creeper, you know, you're looking to be scared and to be paranoid about your life. <laughs> I think that movie. Wow. I was, I was like, wow, she just grabbing, I was like, wow, she describing my life. What's going on here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, um, the cast of industry before we get to the cast of alone, it's Harry Waddy, Freya Maver. She's from one of my favorite shows of all time. Skins, British skins. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you the name of the girl we were talking about. Oh, that's uh, Marissa Abella. Her name is... Oh, that ain't another picture. That's messed up. Um, there's another uh, guy, David Johnson. He's cool. But yeah, her name is... Damn, that's so messed up. Marissa Abella. There you go. They don't have her mm. their, her picture. But um, let's get to Alone real quick before we move on. Alone cast. So we'll talk about the woman that kicked a lot of ass in this movie. Is this another movie? Okay, cool. Um, Alone. Why am I not seeing this? Oh, because there's a movie. I mean, there's a show called Alone. Ah. All right, cool. Oh, Mark Mashenka. He's from, uh, have you ever seen Ozark? I have not. My mom was a big fan of the show, but I, I want to watch it. I saw there was a really good YouTube a video um, by this group called The Take. They did a really good analysis of the female characters in that show. So that makes me want to watch it. Nice. It's good. It's, it's amazing. It's, one of my, it's actually my favorite show on Netflix, to be honest. So Jules Wilcox is uh, the lead in Alone, and we will move on. His house. This one is Sudanese. This is mm. Now, this officially is my first Sudanese-themed movie. Um, it's actually, it takes more place in London, but the, the actors are Sudanese. And uh, as you know, as or if you're in tuned with global news, uh, Sudan is still struggling, like really hard. Um, a lot of civil war going on there. We mentioned that before civil war, like we don't know anything about that. That was like almost like 400 years ago over there. It's happening today. It's happening today. Tribes. As a matter of fact, in the movie, they make a point. Um, they were showing like facial tattoos and they're like, how could you do that? Because oh, she said she did it at such a young age. And they're like, why would you do that to a little girl? And like, because if you don't mark someone that's not in a tribe, they kill you. <laughs> like, if they think that you're a part of another tribe, they, they kill you on the spot. It doesn't matter if they're a kid. And I'm like, damn. But that's not the point of the movie. So they are refugees. They are entering into London. They are in a detention camp. So I'm going to say something. When it comes to horror... White people got the freaking the, the freaking wrestling belts. You know why? Because they put themselves in situations that they can choose not to be in. So you're just like, damn. Mm. So to me, that's not like that scary. What's right. scarier is being in a detention house that you can't leave. Right. If they leave, they had to get deported back to Sudan, where I just said 
that they are more likely to be killed than if they been by a ghost. So this this movie called His House is haunted. There's something that happens on their way to this detention center that they kind of regret and they got to pay for. And it comes out in the haunting of the house. It is fucking scary as hell. I'm not going to lie. The visual effects were crazy. For some reason, tribal people as ghosts are actually way scarier than fucking anybody else. Holy shit. And as a matter of fact, I don't know if you saw a Lovecraft Country. It kind of reminded me oh, yeah. of those ghosts. Oh, man. The ones that were that were traveling. Um, same that- actress, too, right? The wife. Isn't she? Um, oh, Judy, she's in it. Yes, yeah. she's in it. So I'm going to look at the cast real quick. I forgot my tablet. That's where I was supposed to look at all the cast members. Yeah. All right. Well, while you look for the cast, um, I for me, I thought it was like the refugee version of Get Out. Because I, I, like you said, it's like that idea of like this system being scary, like real life systematic oppression being horror. So this yeah. idea that these refugees are escaping their country that's full of war and unrest and violence. They almost drown. And this is just from what I got from the trailer. They almost drown in order to get to the safe haven. When they get to this quote unquote safe haven, now it's there in the system of, well, we control you. You don't, you're not a citizen. You're an asylum seeker. And now you have to stay in this piece of crap house until we decide what's next for your life. And it's that house that they're being forced to stay into that they get haunted in and all the scary CGI stuff happens to them. Um, so when I thought about, when I saw the trailer reminding me of that, cause get out is about how, you know, racism is the real horror. Um, and I think it's bringing to light the story of the refugee and the su- suffering that they have to go to when they come to Western countries um, is interesting. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's like, it's, it's like, oh, Becky went down to the woods by herself. It's like, yeah, she didn't have to do that. But, oh, you like left a war, a country, a war ridden country. You almost drowned. You don't have any money or food. <laughs> and now you have to yeah. stay in a haunted house. Yeah. And they can't just leave the haunted house. They can't just like go get a job somewhere. No, because the government has ties on them because they're asylum seekers. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I'm definitely looking forward to watching that one. Good. It's really one of the best on Netflix right now. And one of my favorite actresses, you act, you pointed to her before, Wunmi Masaku. She's also on Luther. She's also she's on a lot of stuff. She's on the rise. She's really, really good. Matt Smith, he was uh, he played in The Crown, which actually premieres to uh, – Today on Netflix, uh, season four, and the husband is Soapy Darusu. Their character's name is Rial and Bold. Very good movie. Very, mm. very good. I'm so happy I got to watch that. Uh, now on to another very creepy movie with my man Amari. Um, how do you say Hardwick? Is that the guy from Power? Let's see. Spell. Now this one is in Appalachia. You don't usually see that. And that's with Loretta Devine, too. She's actually, she plays a very similar uh, version of Misery with uh, Kathy Bates. That's basically her with a lot of voodoo. And, uh, yeah, basically just uh, described it. (laughs) Amari Hardwick and, like I said, Loretta Devine. Amari Hardwick is basically the same kind of character he was, Ghost. Very rich. I think he's a lawyer, actually, in this movie. Like, always a power player, the tight Tom Ford suits and shit like that. And uh, so his family is very... I hate to say this word, but like to what Southern people would view them uppity. And uh, their son is like this basketball player. They, they, they're very spoiled, just like the power kids. So they go to Appalachia to visit Amari Hardwick's father, who is very hardcore into, like I said, like voodoo, all those type of things. A lot of stuff from like slavery days. And they like basically kept that that way of life in Appalachia, which I didn't know, by the way. I did not know Appalachia got down like that. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and his plane crashes and he loses his family. You don't know where they are. And they keep and these Appalachian people that are actually more tied to his father, keep them captured. And it's nuts. The things they do to keep them there. Holy shit. Did you get that from the trailer? For sure. It's definitely the black version of misery, I feel like. And um, <laughs> true. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. It's like I don't know how I feel about the depiction of the southern rural black um <laughs> culture being depicted and it's like they're scary and it's horror and they're doing voodoo and they're coming to get you rich new york city black folks and also like that idea of like are we are they being punished because they're rich and successful like is that a reason to punish someone i don't know these are are Um, great questions to be honest these are great questions yeah i and it of so I, I don't, I'm not sure if I'll watch that one or not, but I think it's it, yeah. at the same token though, it's good that we do have more black horror films, right? Yeah. And maybe it's good that we have black horror, horror films are delving more into like black culture and not just like hip hop culture, but like Appalachian culture um, and voodoo and spell culture or whatever may, may or may not be an exaggeration of what actually happens in the Appalachian. It's actually in the movie called yeah. Hoodoo. In Appalachia, they call it Hoodoo. And, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so. Voodoo. and I totally agree with you. And we mentioned it before. You can thank Jordan Peele for that, that he made that get out, get out success led to movies, uh, led to distributors and movie studios having confidence in black filmmakers making art. Yeah. In my opinion. In my opinion. So we're yeah, going to so be able to thank be- Jordan Peele more later. For sure. Yeah. It's good to see black horror film. I'm not sure that I'm so excited about the depiction of the black Appalachian people being so like scary and voodoo being scary and because it's just such a stereotype. But at the same time, it is cool to see black horror. So I don't know. I'm kind of on both sides of the fence when it comes to that particular movie. Let's see if I watch it. Not sure. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. So we got a couple more. We got um, Jace. So we got uh, Mandalorian, Green Eggs and Ham. Uh, we, I haven't seen season two yet. I've seen the articles about this. Supposedly Yoda, baby Yoda, and he's not the real Yoda. He's, uh, I, they don't even know where he's actually from, but there's rumors <laughs> that he's Yoda's son. Um, and he ate some eggs that were part of his race. And a lot of, uh, soccer moms got very upset about this and wrote petitions and shit. Karen, Janet, what are you doing? What's going on here? Why are we getting upset about this? Maya narratives, let me know. What am I missing? <laughs> well, I think in, in general, so Disney Plus is becoming more, I guess, a little less G, maybe more PG. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're trying to expand their brand, you know, like they had the Beyonce video on there and um, the Hamilton musical. And there's, you know, th- there's yeah. some like, there's some not G-rated themes in that musical that happens too. So uh, the idea that at Star Wars is, is a lot of controversy that Disney took over that, right? And I know a lot of hardcore fans are upset about Star Wars being owned by Disney now. So um, maybe it speaks to that, the, the clash of like, should this be like a hero story or should this be more like family friendly? True. And it is one of our adult programming. And we actually had an executive guest a couple of weeks ago from Hulu and he he actually pushed against he pushed back against that. He said that Disney will never have adult programming. And I at the time I actually really agreed with him, but now that you're bringing this up, I'm thinking to myself, they're already trending in that direction. What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, right? they're def- there's point. way more adult themed stuff now than when we were kids on Disney. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, they were more about innuendos ago. before. Which you co- right. which you cover on your videos very well. Thank you. Yeah, definitely more about innuendos than now. Um, 
just more blatant. So I think it, the moms, you know, from their perspective, they're thinking they don't like, maybe they don't like the general trend Disney Plus is going toward. It's like, yeah, I don't want my kids thinking about cannibalism. He's just supposed to be cute. Right. <laughs> but then for maybe from a creative perspective, it's like, well, we're trying to tell a story. Maybe it's supposed to be symbolic of something. I haven't watched the season, so I don't know. But uh, I haven't yeah, met I one child that watches that, by the way. I've never heard of any children watching that show. That's hilarious that like now all of a sudden Stacy's mom has got it going on. Like I've never I never heard a child watch that. But oh, well, oh, well, wait, it's you have good. a child watch Mandalorian. The, that I've saying? never heard. A, mm. I've never heard a child go, oh, my God, I have to rush and go see the next episode of Mandalorian like ever in my life. <laughs> like <laughs> I've never heard. Did yeah. you see last week's episode of Mandalorian? I've never heard a kid. I've only heard adults, whether they're parents. <laughs> That's whether so they're my true. age, whether like I've never heard a kid say that they've watched. I had a colleague Pedro at my job. Right, <laughs> I had a colleague at my job ask me. He's like, well, "Why do you have Disney Plus if you don't watch Star Wars? Like, what's the point of it?" Because we're talking oh, about different, like Netflix versus Hulu versus Disney, <laughs> Disney Plus and all that. And then, especially when I first got it, I was like, "Yeah, I guess that's why a lot of people rush to Disney Plus because of that." And that's another criticism that they don't have a lot of original programming, right? They don't have a lot of they like, don't need you know, Netflix on there. <laughs> yeah, they they live off their the name alone. Yeah, and they yeah. had the biggest yeah. subscription growth of all time. It took ten years to get Net- to get uh, Netflix's audience, the audience that Disney Plus just got this year. What, which was a lot due to the pandemic, to be honest. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, even why I decided to start my channel and do the videos that I do, it's because of the pandemic and the idea of like, I just want to watch Disney stuff right now. I just need something wholesome and nice and warm. Nice, not me. <laughs> these crazy times. Not me. I, don't, I love all the chaos. Give it all to me. Ah. <laughs> so then we got Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde wasting your motherfucking time, two thousand twenty. So I didn't even know they were engaged. I thought they were already married. And so they just ended their nine-year engagement. It's not that big of news, but nine years? What do you think? Would you let someone be engaged to you for nine years, Courtney? Absolutely not. Come on Absolutely now. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is- Ain't no Disney amazing? movie gonna change my mind on that. Like, <laughs> no, listen, and there, it's always a wedding at the end, okay? That's There's true. always That's a true. ring and a wedding at the end of a Disney movie. Say what you want. That's true, actually. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, I mean, I don't know, obviously, you know, they're celebrities. I don't know anything about their relationship, but just generally speaking for us, regular folk in real life, um, you know, if you're engaged after a year, like what, why aren't you getting married? Obviously there's some kind of undertone there of like why this person isn't really ready to legally commit to you. And you need to explore that. Like, yeah. are they getting excitement out of like just stringing you along? Like, do you do you really see yourself committing with this person? Or are you just there for the the photo op of having a ring? Like, you know, there's a lot of think underlying dysfunctional issues behind in real life folks who are engaged for nine years. Yeah, and they're both very good catches. Like Jason Tadekis is very very popular and very in demand. And even so more for Olivia Wilde, ever since she was a regular cast member of House, she has skyrocketed and she directs a lot of films right now. She was in um, Spotlight. She's in everything. She's amazing. And there's even rumors that she's going to recreate um, the book, the famous book, Paper Bag Girl. You ever heard about that? Brown Paper Bag Girl? The Paper Bag Princess. The Paper Bag Princess. Oh, Mm -hmm. man. Yo, we should collaborate on that, actually. It's one of my favorite books. You You would definitely dig it. So okay, it's about this, it it's about this princess. She's in a castle. It's very short. It's like a children's book. 
Um, She's in a castle and this dragon tries to take over the castle. And so everybody's trying to get her to wait for this prince to come and save them. And while they're setting this up, she's actually beating this motherfucker's ass. Okay. by the time... So she goes through all this shit. The fucking dragon, like, spew, like, fire takes off her dress. And she ends up having to put a paper bag in order to fight the dragon. There's no nudity. There's no, like, it's very G. It's still very G, even though she puts on a paper bag. And uh, by the time the, the the prince comes, she's already done. And she's just like, what, what was the point of you? Nice. <laughs> so nice. Obviously, obviously, not, at, like, you know, we got a lot of uh, women that are against feminism and a lot of people that, you know, so obviously this got pushed down a little bit, but Olivia Wilde, Emma Blunt, I mean, Emily Blunt, um, uh, who else? Uh, damn it. Elizabeth Banks is supposed to be producing it. And so is Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie. So hopefully, and then and it got delayed, but hopefully that gets out. But yeah, you should definitely look into that, Courtney. That is definitely, I mean, yeah, my princess. Okay. Gotcha. So I definitely can see you doing something on that, a video on it. Okay. Uh, re, we got two more. Rebinging too much. Uh, these are the shows that I think of automatically on the top of my head that I want to shoot myself whenever I come over somebody's house and they're fucking playing this nonstop. The Office, classic show, guys. Not after five times watching it, guys. Stop, stop. You're fucking sick. You're sick. Not sick. Uh, <laughs> you're sick. It's a golden era of television. There's other shit to watch. The Office is not that good. As a matter of fact, it started sucking after season five. So if you're just watching through season five, I guess you're doing yourself something. But you're doing something justice with all this great television and just rewatching something over and over. Watching Kevin drop chili is is only good once. <laughs> it's only good once. <laughs> um, what else? Marvel movies. I know people that like have put on their timeline, and Marvel movies are good. And not all of them were good. There was like twenty of them, but they're most of them. Like half of them were good. But some people are just like, oh, they'll put like a whole thing. Like, I'm going to go through chronological order of like where the story actually jumped off and shit like that. And then I'm going to watch it again whenever the next movie comes out. I'm going to I'm going to binge from Iron Man one until the, the latest fucking Ragnarok or something like that. And I'm like, dude, get a fucking life. Get a life. Like there's other shit. To watch. There's other things to do. Start a YouTube channel like my my, my homegirl, Maya Narrative. What are you doing? Don't rewatch something for the six fucking time. Harry Potter. I've had I've gone on dates and they're just like, you want to binge Harry Potter with me? No, no, I don't. I'd rather watch a- grass grow in Antarctica. No. Oh, okay. You don't you're not re-binging anything. I don't like re-binging in general, but like those Ooh. three in particular really get on my nerves that everybody like tries to either try to get me to uh Rewatch with them. That's another thing. They don't like to just rewatch it by themselves. They love to torture other people. They're like, come watch Harry Potter with me. Come Parks and Rec. I love Parks and Rec. Some people are like, I have it on in the background. I don't like playing music. I just like to know that like fucking um, Parks and Recreation is on and it just makes me feel good. Hmm. So I, you're hilarious. Um, I think that people who re-binge these things, it's 2020. People just want to find something comforting, you know, Some, and sometimes having something repetitive because you know what's coming. It just makes you feel safe. But uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not big on re-binging anything, you know. Um, and if I do, it's like something Unless I have to Unless it's our content. Unless it's our content. Exactly. So I'll watch my own videos over and over now. That's how I got to the 100 views. I just watched it 100 times. <laughs> Justin Bieber type shit right there. <laughs> Sound scan. He needs you. He's going to hire you, man. He's going to hire you. 
So we got one more. We got one more. This actually involves another Christmas. I mean, I'm not the Christmas. Uh, this has to do with the, uh, the uh, director of Harry Potter, the first two, Chris Columbus. Uh, before we end this segment, uh, Chris Columbus, uh, he is the director again of the Harry Potter movies, the first two. He's a big John Hughes alumni, 16 Candles, blah, blah, blah. So I just learned this, uh, this fact recently. Uh, he was directing Chevy Chase's uh, Christmas Vacation. And in the middle of the movie, he left because of Chevy Chase's reputation that he is right. hard to work with. He was hard mm-hmm. to work with on SNL. He was hard to work with on this, all the National Lampoon movies. And community. as a matter of fact, they kicked him off community. Yes. As a matter of fact, he, how do you have a problem with Donald Glover? Like, that doesn't make sense. So, and I like Chevy Chase, but yo, you got to go, bro. You got to go. Like, if you suck, you suck. So at that time, he had a lot more leverage, Chevy Chase. Even though Christopher Columbus was a successful director after Baby uh, Adventures of Babysitting, very awesome movie. I think he flopped after that, to be honest. I forgot what movie it was called. I never saw it. <laughs> but he was in the middle of A Christmas Vacation, which ended up being a great franchise for Chevy Chase, even after Christopher Columbus left. So he left. Two weeks later, John Hughes, the, the very famous uh, Ferris Bueller uh, producer, he died a few years ago. You know what movie he, got, uh, he put him on later? You would think that a producer would be salty and be like, you left because you can't work with the director? Go fuck yourself. I'm never working with you ever again. You know what movie got picked on uh, two weeks later? Only two weeks later. Not Home it. Alone. Home Alone. The Ooh. highest grossing, at the time, the highest grossing comedy of all time. I'd say Christopher Columbus. And again, he's now directed the first two Harry Potter movies. I'd say he landed on his feet quite nicely. That's yeah. crazy, right? That's crazy. Just goes so to show you just because you get down, you never know what's behind the next door. That's very true. That's very true, man. You, yeah, leaving such a successful franchise like Christmas Vacation and just jumping on Home Alone, good for you. Oh, one more little fact: Macaulay Culkin. I don't watch American Horror Story, but he actually just got casted to the new season. Good for him. I'm oh, a big no. fan of his. Big fan. On to music. Body language. What the fuck did I hear? Again, these are all like trending things. Uh, this is music that is uh, trending right now. And we have, and we'll get quick about it so we can get to the, our interview portion with my narratives. Uh, so nobody listens to techno. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even going to get in that link. Germany, for some reason, did not recognize it as a music. And so that's why I find it as funny news. Uh, Germany just threw the courts. Uh, and it's hilarious. Eminem, uh, like around 15, 20 years ago, came up with that line because he was dissing Moby. Nobody listens to techno, which is not true at all. Like techno has done very, very well. As a matter of fact, even before he said that line. So what do you think about oh, that? Yeah. Do you like techno or is there any techno songs you like, which is technically yeah, electronic and dance and all that? It's basically that. Yeah. I remember when it was real big, I feel like in our twenties, it was more so bigger. Or maybe I just not in the culture anymore to know folks who listen to techno. Maybe that's probably what it is when you get older, but um, <laughs> I feel like you know, techno to me is like the little cousin of house music, you know? So yeah. Um, for them to recognize it as a genre is a big deal in Germany because now the, the clubs that play techno, they get that tax break. So that's why it's a big deal that they uh, said it's actually a good music point. genre that's a because now they're making the tax break. So uh, good for them, you know, making your techno music. It is a skill. It's not something I would know how to do, but at least I'm not going to appreciate. So good for them. Get their coins. This is yeah. techno is legit. And I'm so happy you mentioned house music, which is actually – Black music. House music was actually on black radios first. So that's great that you mentioned that. So Mm -hmm. obviously a lot of music gets uh, rooted from African inspiration, African-American inspiration. So Eminem, man, you weren't on our side on that time, man. What's up with that, man? What's up? What's up? 
That didn't age very well, that line. <laughs> anyway, so we got Pluto uh, versus, not versus, X. So a collaboration with Baby Pluto, which I didn't even know that little Uzi Vert was Baby Pluto. And I didn't even know Future was Pluto. So with the mask on situation right now with COVID, obviously, and I made that corny joke in, uh, I slid into Maya Narrative's DM and I was like, Future would disagree. Future, was, Future tells us all, oh, mask off, mask off. <laughs> Molly Percocet, Molly Percocet. I wish I could take Molly yeah. Percocet while I have my mask on. We got to figure that okay. out. You need to design that. You need to design that. <laughs> so anyway, um, the, mu- the music's good. It's good. They're, they're a good collab. They're actually, Future's done a collab with Drake before. He's very good at these, actually. Um, Little Uzi Vert, he's still on the scene. He still makes pretty good music as far as like trap music is concerned. I enjoyed it. I don't think it's like the best ever. I don't think it's like um, it's not going to win a Grammy or anything like that, but it's pretty decent. Hey, do you have a favorite song from any of these uh, fellow artists? Listen, you sent me that that music. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not for me. I'm you know, <laughs> the same gotcha. song, rap music, the trap music. This. I'll tell you. Just, I'll I'm, tell I'm you. not their target audience. But hey, right. if people love it, enjoy it. Go for it. So that was the featured uh, Million Dollar Play. That was their featured song. We got Two Chains. He has another song with Kanye West, Feel Away. Billy Ellis just came out with a new single called Therefore I Am. And this is all, all Run the Jewels has no save point. I love Run the Jewels. Little Nas X, we have some news on him. He has a new song called Holiday. Uh, actually, no, we talked about it already. Did we talk? Yeah, we talked about it already. Yes, see the Nicki Minaj situation where he dressed up on Halloween. I can actually ask your opinion on that. Um, rod wave all week and that's basically all i oh yeah that's it and that's from complex magazine that's a new music uh that came out this week what do you think about the little we talked about it last week but you have a lot of followers that are in his uh his camp and uh yeah how do you feel about that situation of the rap community the reggae community still being incredibly misogynistic I mean, it's not surprising. It reminds me of the interview he did when they were in a barbershop and Kevin Hart was there and he was Kevin Hart was definitely gaslighting him saying like people in the hood, nobody cares. You're gay. Like nobody cares. It's not a big thing. And it's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Go through the comments of the shade room. Like, (laughs) you know, I've never been to the shade room. I've never, I've never been to world star hip hop either. Like I refuse. I just just feel like it's just such a step back. I'm just like, and plus people send it to me anyway. So what, I don't need to go to their website. Everybody loves to send world star and shade room shit and all or alert and all that, all that fucking nasty trash. Yeah. No, I think for Lil Nas, it's important that the, he's the gay rap icon, you know, and he's doing his own thing and he's very unique and he's not trying to, he's only being himself. I feel like he's not trying to mold himself to be appealed by the gay community. He's not trying to be appealing by the rap community. He's just doing his own thing. So I appreciate appreciate that about him. Me too. Me too. He's not like my favorite type of music. Like I listened to his EP um, last year. It was decent. It was okay. Um, Old Town Road is obviously a huge, huge success. Good for yeah. him. That that's gonna make him a lot of money for a long time. That's yeah. soundtrack still still doing very well. Good for him. Once and you I get lo- the babies, when you get the kids on your on your side, you're good. That's where the real coins come in. Like for me, when I watched it, uh, I listened to the song when it first came out. I was like, okay, whatever. But when I saw the clip of him going to an elementary school and the mm-hmm. kids just turning all the way up it just made me love the song because it reminded yeah. me of just like when gangnam style was out back in the day oh very viral same same viral kids. sensation yeah yeah the kids loved it so just to see that that joy from the kids Aww. i was like you know what this song is this song is it though this song is it <laughs> courtney i'm gonna call you out real quick though i'm gonna call you out you know who introduced me to trap music 
<laughs> you, you and your crew. My like, crew. Yes, yes. You guys, when we came on the Chicago campus, we, you know, we were listening to like East Coast rap and stuff. We weren't even really interested in Southern rap, and you guys were just like, "Oh no, you need to listen to this." And you were showing Probably us like dance. Jeep music. That was definitely yes. Our you were, show- and it was crazy. We were yeah. watching you guys dance. You were just like. Yeah, see, we that's like, the thing. Juke and trap are very different. Okay, Juke, you dance. What do you do with trap? I, it's just like. Man, when I first heard the music you guys were listening to and you were dancing to, it was like, fuck a bitch in the club. Da, da, da. I was like, it was before Little John was popping. I was like, what is going on here? I'm like, and they just kept repeating it. It's like, stomp a bitch out, got a tip on her neck. Like, oh. I was just like. Graphic. It's a lot. It, um, you know, that was a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> some person back then. Um, that's just part of the culture I grew up in. So that's true. yeah. That's true. Same, it's, same. it's so it's so true. Like as I get older, I'm like way opposite. I'm like, oh, it's so dirty. It's so graphic. <laughs> Meanwhile, what I used to listen to. <laughs> right. Right. Uh no, no, you come a long way and I love I love your journey. I love uh the fact that like Whatever, we're gonna have to get too deep into that. But like, I just, I just love the evolution of you. You, you do very well uh, being the butterfly that you are. Oh, so, I appreciate that. I'm very proud of you, Vince. You got your oh, own show. You. You just, you, you, I love how you, you've been able to commodify your personality. You know, let the world see your personality you. shine. Oh, the world needs you. it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was trying to match your earrings. I was trying to match your earrings. Hey. So we're still on Chicago. We're still in Chicago. We got. Jer- I never say his name right. How do you say his name? Is it Jeremiah or Jeremiah? I honestly don't know. Okay, cool. My bad. Not sure. So Jeremiah, he's a very popular R&B singer. Again, we don't like to concentrate too much on COVID because you get enough of that news everywhere else. Jeremiah is in the ICU. And for anybody oh. that thinks this is still the Wuhan uh, freaking hoax, why why are fucking celebrities dying then or almost about to die the guy's on a ventilator right now in the icu mm. holy crap holy crap how seriously has your family friends co-workers have been taking this um i would say seriously you know i had two family members that caught covid back in april and thankfully so they sorry. both recovered yeah basically they're, they're both recovered and they're both healthy now um but you know we are at the numbers we were in the beginning of this pandemic so people need to remember that you know um I think especially as winter months come and now with Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, Dio Hughley, when he had COVID, his daughter would still wear the mask even when she was around him before he caught it. So yeah, she was being no- extra careful and good thing that she did because he, you know, she, he wasn't able to spread it to her. So um, I'm waiting for an end in sight, but I Man. think I'm, I'm, I was very scared before, but now I've come to the terms of like, okay, you still have to live your life, but it doesn't mean be reckless. So live your life to the best of your ability in terms of keeping you and your loved ones safe. That's what I would say. That's right. I'm doing exactly the same as you, man. That's great. So uh, before we get out of the music portion, let's make fun of little pump real quick. Pump the motherfucking brakes, motherfucker. What's wrong with you? Like, why are you telling people, endorsing people? And not, I, I will never understand that. People endorsing a candidate and not being able to register to vote. We mentioned it before a couple episodes ago that Kanye was on David Letterman's show on Netflix and David Letterman exposed that the guy didn't register to vote. Obviously, he registered to vote because now he ran. You can't run without being registered to vote. He did that. But I laughed at him, even though he took himself very seriously. He was just like, no, I'm not registered to vote. Like, no, you should be laughing at yourself that, like, you keep wearing this MAGA hat. So whatever. We're not going to focus on Kanye. Let's get to Little Pump, the 20-year-old. I think I don't even know his name. He's Spanish, I believe. I didn't even know that. I thought he was white. And as a matter of fact, they work together. As a matter of fact, Little Pump and Kanye have a song. They have a song together. I remember that dance. It was pretty good, actually. 
Um, he's from Florida, and his name is. It doesn't matter what his name is. I can't find it. Sorry, Rock. I stole your line. <laughs> it doesn't matter what Little Pump's name is. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter because he didn't register to vote, and he's fucking putting out fake endorsements. How do you feel about that? I just, you know, can you just walk in your truth? <laughs> can you just? I like is that. it that hard? How are you gonna tell people to vote and then not be registered? It's just so funny. And the downside, I think, of like social media is like everything is so much of a front and not authentic, right? So absolutely, it's a front that you want to say you're this Trump supporter and you you want him to win, and then you yourself aren't even registered. Like it's the irony and just the obsession with having. Um, people look at you in an image in a certain way, but you don't have any reactions behind that image. No but, substance. Hey, let's vote for Trump, so good for him for not registering. <laughs> right, exactly. I know. It, it worked out in our favor. All right, let's get on to the meaty portion of this, the interview with Maya Nairi. What the fuck did I say? All right. Again, the lovely Maya narrative. She has a YouTube channel that is not specifically focused on Disney. It is. It has a lot. It has a lot entailed in, into it. But the way that I see it, a lot of feminism on there, a lot of positivity, a lot of. Let me let you introduce it. <laughs> yeah, my channel is mine. Uh, mine. I have a website, mynarratives.com. Um, and I also have my YouTube channel, my my narratives, and on my YouTube channel, well. say it again. The digital ju- journal that we get in our in our email. Package. Yes, exactly right. Yes, if you go to mynarratives.com, I have a digital journal prompt um, to reclaim feminine power, where I share some personal stories and try to encourage others to write about ways to reflect on their feminine energy and how to reclaim that energy. Um, so my Love channel it. is about looking at popular films and TV shows and analyzing uh, feminine characteristics that we see in in those shows. And I just want to highlight some lessons that we see. A lot of my videos starting out are about Disney movies because in the pandemic, I wanted to have something that was light and fun and I could hold on to amid the chaos. So I just want to take those lessons and sort of focus on them and see, talk about how we can use that in our everyday lives um, with our relationships, romantic relationships, friendships, family, and just um, personal development. So I have videos about Belle and how she's not a victim of Stockholm syndrome because she does stand up to the beast. She does walk away. Um, I have a video about Corella DeVille and sort of the rich feminine woman. Um, and in my latest video, I've talked about Hillary Banks and, you know, how she's this like dim witted character in the show, but she actually does a lot of really smart things on her journey in femininity. And she was career minded and she, um, was just an overall interesting character that we have a lot to learn from. So I've been having a good time just developing my channel and developing my website and just happy that you have me on here to talk about it. Oh man, you don't have to be that happy. It's not that great of a show. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What am I, and I'm going to talk about the one that I actually, no, I commented on all of them almost pretty much, but uh, one of the ones I had. Thank you. Oh, good. Good. No, I, I, so I'm going to mention this real quick. I don't, I hope I don't sound salty to my audience. But when you don't subscribe or you don't engage with the content, it's not it's not like it's disrespectful. I'm not like taking it as like a slight, like you said, fuck Vince or fuck my narratives. Like, I'm not saying that. But it's just like 
you just said like the celebrity social media obsessed culture like why are you more interested in making beyonce famous and I'm, i hate to pick on beyonce because i love bay uh okay, why are you more interested in, exactly <laughs> why are we exactly right why are we trying to make other people that are already famous famous like what like why are we not trying to help our small business why are we not trying to start the startup youtube channels so like yeah like <laughs> i have like and same thing with you like we have a, a bunch of followers on different platforms and stuff like that and obviously we're in the beginning stages of our youtube channels and shit, so we can't like get too discouraged but like that helps engagement helps it really does like it gets other people excited in the discussion that's why i do it i want to spark that i want to be able to get other people to comment on your video and that that helps your metrics on youtube that gets you sponsorship that gets you ad dollars that gets you launched and and yeah once you yeah. get over a thousand subscribers that's when you start getting the ad dollars. Why do not? Why do people not want us to get that? <laughs> it's not that. I think as creators, you have to remember that it takes time to build trust with the audience. So they have to trust that you're going to continue making good content. Um, they have to sure. see that you are you're someone who's speaking with sort of like an authority of whatever niche that you're talking about. And remember, you know, when we see people blow up who are really famous, like Beyonce, she's been doing this since she was eight years old. True. You know, even Doja Cat, she recently blew up, but she was doing music for years before she I blew up. A lot of the times we see things that we think like, well, they're blown up. They put a lot of hard work and grind and um, business acumen into building their brand before they blew up. So I definitely think it takes um, consistency, positivity, and just having a business mindset to go forward in the best way to engage with your audience. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't think it's anyone's out to, to get you. <laughs> <laughs> you heard that audience if you want positivity don't look here go over there go to my narrative there's no positivity <laughs> over here there's none of that just lots of negative reactions <laughs> you need both you need the light you need and the dark I know. I know i know it's happy diwali by the way happy diwali light and dark out there we're all fighting it inside we're all fighting inside. yes yes right? happy diwali yes right that was like the first time i hate to mention this this guy but i saw on twitter that he said happy diwali and he had like a couple of indian people in the background and shit i'm just like where was that for Kwanzaa? Where was that for the other <laughs> holidays? Like, <laughs> right? Kwanzaa, you probably had like a bunch of Mickey D whoppers out on the thing. Just like, uh, have at it, have at it. Mr. Platinum plan over here. Fuck out of here. Anyway, sorry. Um, back to Corella DeVille. Um, I took yeah. only what I took, uh, well, I was a television film major in college and in, in my graduate course and stuff like that, did uh, all types of stuff. Doesn't make me an expert. But I did take a Disney course, and it was to do. Yeah. I, thought, I forgot what it was called. It was in my. It was in my uh, my final year of graduate school, and uh, damn, I forgot what the course was called. But it was all centered on Disney. It was all centered on Disney. All of the innuendos, all the classifications, the cast yeah. system, and we definitely concentrated on what you talk about with Cruella, and definitely with the villains like Gaston and stuff like that. So let me let me break into that so that you can actually break it down even better because like this is like your niche right now. Not really. You have produced those videos, but right now I consider you an expert in the field because of like the research you've done for these things. So let's get to Corella DeVille. Mm. Uh, you on the channel, on the video said that like it's, it's uh, more because of a power struggle to not see a female in that kind of dominant role, successful, savvy, beautiful. Um, well, I would say beautiful, but like very fashionable. Right. Very fashionable, right. very in tune, like, you know, very in tune with her body, knows what works, knows like right. what's out there, what's trending. Basically, they copied off of that in Devil Wears Prada. 
yeah. they, they, they need to pay Disney for that, yeah. <laughs> for that character. Yeah, the, you know, Disney villain never has a pretty face. Yeah. They always yeah. make sure that. <laughs> but, my, but my point, my point is that when we were in class, they pointed it and it was a male teacher. So I'm, take it with a grain of salt, but he wasn't like machismo or anything like that. But he pointed it towards that Disney, Walt Disney himself, since he was a big homophobe, a big anti-Semitic, all those good things that he made the villains on purpose, barren, not being able to always being able, always trying to force their way into relationship, very um, ambiguous. So like they were pretty much you, like they were so unwanted that like you got to thinking that they were queer. You know what I'm saying? So like they made mm. the queer community look bad throughout Disney films. So that's what we broke down. Break down, give us more in depth of what you did in that Corolla video, and mm-hmm. then break down what I just said, please. Yeah, no, I think um, with Cruella in particular, it was definitely the narrative of the rich, successful woman versus the poor, humble woman. And the rich, feminine woman who has the furs and the dress, and they make sure her earrings, her necklace, and everything matches, um, that she's the villain just for being rich. And that the poor woman is automatically humble and kind and a good person. Very good point. Um, and, and really, if you, if you watch the film, and of course, you probably haven't watched it. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. So rewatching it, I'm like, wow, like Anita, who's the humble poor one, she's, she's an idiot. Like she just tells Corella everything she needs to hear. She tells her when the puppy is going to get to spots, when they're going to be bored, like all this free information. And then you're surprised that Corella wants to buy the puppy. You're like, oh, no, you can't buy them. I mean, I told you all the... <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> all of uh, all of the assets that they have to bring, but you know, we're not selling them. Like, why are you selling me them? But you're not selling them. It's interesting. Um, so I think, and you see that that theme in a lot of movies of the single, feminine, successful woman. Um, she's either desperate and sad, or she's a villain and she's really mean. So it was just interesting to me that it started so early. I mean, that movie was in, uh, I think. 1967 that movie was made so um just interesting how that same theme carries on as as film goes on and from different generations you know so yeah and you just covered ariel the little mermaid and that brings me back to the the queer the queer representation in a negative light ursula ursula you just said she's basically second command of the sea to triton in the movie and they make her seem like she and that she's like undesirable. They gave her the short haircut to make and that they made her really fat. They always make <laughs> villains. They always make. And like you just said, but that's not just Disney. A lot of Hollywood and a lot of movies, a lot of narratives, light versus dark. Even skinny people are even in the beginning, skinny people are actually like, you know, more heroic and in shape. And if you're fat and sloppy, you're, you're either a villain or like you just said, you're like a sidekick or something like that. Uh, are you like, I agree with all the things you're saying, like, as far as like the money being the motive of like, you know, kind of looking past her, but how do you feel about like, do you, is it like a conspiracy that I'm bringing out that like, that, (laughs) that, that Walt Disney did not favor the homosexual community. And he did that throughout his films by trying to downplay them again, Jafar, he had to force his way, but he kind of looked queer himself too, like with the, the, the with the chin and like how. No, seriously, seriously, with the yeah. metrosexual vibe that they would, everything was to a T and stuff like that. They mentioned that in class. They mentioned like all these mm. like stereotypes that were being cast on the gay community, and they didn't do a good job making it a positive light in Disney movies at all. They actually went out of their way to make it seem that all villains were gay. <laughs> pretty much yeah well i don't usually cover that in my videos about like the homosexuality or the sexuality yeah, in yeah, general characters but i think that uh my videos focus more so on like the feminine 
qualities and lessons we can learn from the female characters in the films. Um, and the positive and toxic masculine, masculine traits that also um, in the film. But now that you bring that up, yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, if we have, we've had our black princess and we have our Native American princess and we've had our Chinese princess, like, yeah, where's our gay princess? You know, where is that really where's count though? Her? She was a frog like 90% of the movie. Did that really count as a frog? Well, black yeah, that's a whole other. <laughs> that's why I haven't, yeah, I'm, my, my sister's like, what are you going to do a video about Princess and the Frog? I'm like, I just, I have to get over my feelings because they made her a frog in the movie. <laughs> yeah, man, that is so disrespectful. So disrespectful. Yeah. No, I get that you yeah. don't cover that. And that makes a lot of sense. You have a, yeah. def- you have a definitely have a niche and I love it. You're, um, that's actually, to be honest, in today's, uh, we were covering that in the pre meeting. I'm trying to narrow my focus of my demographic, which is smart. And so when you stay in that lane, sometimes it actually makes a bet, like, you know, like you said, the trust of your audience, like yeah. more of a consistency of like, you know, what's going to appear on this channel and you actually do a better job of that. Yeah. I think you're doing a good job. You're doing oh, a great thanks. job. <laughs> but um, let's, let's bring one more in there. Uh, Maleficent. That's another example. They're just so, they did a better job in the new movies, making her seem that like she wasn't just this destitute person right. or a spinster or something like that. But like I said, most of these movies, there's been over 50 of them, the, the, the masterpiece versions, the, the classics. Oh, Snow White. I know that she was the stepmother, but they didn't make her seem desirable at all either. The stepmother right. from Cinderella. Like no men are in their lives whatsoever, or women. They, like, they really vilify the stepmother. Like we need a we need a feel good stepmother movie from Disney because it's like you grow up with a kid. Like if I'm going to get a stepmom, it's going to be bad news. Word. The parent <laughs> trap. The, the parent trap was okay. <laughs> yeah, the parent. Yeah, you know, but even the yeah the stepmom was a little bit of a villain in that one too. When he was going to oh, marry, um, I think her name was Marilyn. I forget the the character's name, and she was also rich. Nice. So she was also meanie. Yeah. True, true, you true. You brought up uh, Gaston. I, I like that. Yeah, the, please get it to him. Get it to yeah, him, please. Gaston is one of, for me, my, my favorite villain. My one favorite of your first villain. videos. One of your first videos. Very good. Yeah, I think it's interesting that his, you know, he's the idea of like pinnacle masculinity, right? Because he's like buff, he's strong, he doesn't take any mess, he's a hunter. You know, the whole town worships him. It's funny too. That I feel like that's the only movie where the uh, the characters are drinking beer. It's like, I think this is the only Disney cartoon movie where they're like in a bar and drinking yeah. beer, which you don't really catch as a kid. But I look back at it, I'm like, oh, we're really just getting down on a bar. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, but just how um, those qualities like we can be enamored with that we think that's supposed to be like a real man but he's the actual beast of the story because he wants to control her he wants to force her to marry it, clearly he's not, she's not the girl for him um, so yeah I, I guess I'm my favorite villain for sure because he's that image of like what we should want in a man but how some of those characteristics are actually dangerous Absolutely. Absolutely. They even covered that in class too, Gaston. And they even tried to make him uh, <laughs> a homosexual character in the class. I'm not saying that like, okay. you know, Disney went in either way, but more towards I the wish me- I could take this class. I'm very interested in how Gaston is. Oh, it was great. You would have loved it. Yeah. Julian Cornell. That was my professor over at Queens college for that graduate course. It nice. was really awesome. It was really good. But um, uh, to end that part, cause you have a lot going on actually, not just Disney. Uh, Gaston. Uh, it wasn't more towards the homosexuality, which I don't mean to make it such a uh, you know focus, but um, but the metro the metrosexual part of it. Like I said, most mm. of the villains, even that characteristic, like him just being so into his looks 
And basically right. okay. so into his looks that he's so into himself that like he would borderline probably cross over because he has so much love for himself. Why wouldn't he love a man? That's what they said in class. That was obviously okay. an analyzation. It was obvious, like we were just discussing in class. It wasn't like true. And none of these things, these are all, Yeah. I think that actually was the class actually. I think it was just called film theory. There we go. It was called film theory. Ah, film theory. There you go. That's why. So yes, that's why these are all just, you know, developed, not, not really developed ideas, hashed out ideas, just something questioning the validity of the things that Walt Disney was portraying in his films. That's all. Nice. Yeah. I'm definitely <clears throat> my future videos, you know, Will Smith just announced that they're doing the uh, reunion of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air cast. Right. I think it's Hillary. Yeah. So I did a video about Hillary and next I'm going to be doing a few other videos of other characters. So especially Carlton, because he was my favorite. Love Carlton. Um, and I yes, love that they're I've, best friends. I love that they're best friends pretty much in real life. Just like DJ. Yeah. I love that. I love Alphonse. Yeah. What's his name? Alphonse. Oh, I forgot his name. Carlton Banks. Great. I know, he, was a, he was a great and he was an amazing dancer before. Hold up. Is it Roberto? Alfon Roberto Alfonso, I believe. I think I think you're right. Carlton. Yeah. Banks. So I'm looking forward to doing a video breaking down his uh Oh Alfonso Roberto. There you trait. go. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, funny thing you mentioned that uh, we mentioned it a couple episodes ago. Uh there was a bidding war, not just for so it was a package deal. That reunion, whoever won that bidding war was gonna get that reunion. And the reboot of his show that's going to be a drama series that's going to be on Peacock. Mm. So actually, I'm wrong. I just proved myself wrong. So that was on HBO Max. <laughs> and Peacock <laughs> won the rights to his drama. So totally don't believe me. Don't believe me. I lied to you. Yeah, HBO Max has the reunion, which I didn't know was happening until last week, which was very good. I did watch some of it. It was awesome. The original Aunt Viv was on there, too. Yeah. So and yeah, yeah. actually, um, because we already talked the peacock already. Break down your Hillary Clinton. Uh, your Hillary Clinton. Whoa. Hillary <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I was filming, I had a blooper where I said Hillary Clinton. I was like, child. <laughs> very right? Close characters. those emails. Close your legs. Close your emails. Um, <laughs> close your mouth. Anyway, Hillary Banks. I love Hillary Banks. I loved her in Major Pain. I haven't really seen her too much other things, uh, other media, the actress that plays. Uh, she's been behind the scenes doing producing oh, things. Oh, good, since good. Then. And yeah. she's still gorgeous. Still I mean, gorgeous. if I was that, I had played that character, you know, I would just be sitting pretty on my money. I'm, you know, when you see. Oh, my God. The royalties like, from that show are insane. Yeah. So it's like, well, I haven't seen them anything. Like, they're enjoying their life. They're good. Right. <laughs> she's like, Hillary's probably like, and I got to look up her name. I can't keep just calling her Hillary. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> No, but uh, I mean, I break down her character to say things like she was very career minded. You know, you think of her as sort of like this gold digger, but really like she was a weather girl. She had her own catering business. Um, she eventually had her own TV show, you know, so she's supposed to be like this dimwitted person, but she was actually pretty career minded. Um, I enjoyed her with I loved her, uh, the weather girl. She was great as a weather girl. She was, she was hilarious. Yeah. And she brings like that feminine energy to, her, to all of her jobs. She's just always herself, you know, uh, as a weather girl, she's telling the girls like, you know, your hair is, it's going to be extra humid. So make sure you have extra hairspray today. You yeah. know, just her silliness. She always brought that into anything that she did. Um, so I think we can learn a lot from that in our own lives. You know, I think sometimes you feel pressure, you go into certain environments to sort of tone yourself down and she was just always herself. So I, I enjoyed that about her character. I hated how they um, killed off Trevor. 
her fiance. I was going to say that. I was going to ask you about like, that. Why can't she get love? She deserves love. Like, why can't she have her happily ever after? I just thought it was out of left field. Like, the, the way that it killed him off was so dramatic with the bungee jump. Like, yeah. What? Well, I don't mean to bring in the film theory again, but yeah. I don't. Th- I don't think we were ready. I don't think the fi- not we. I don't think American no. television was ready. We had Sybil before that. We had Mary Tyler Moore. We had Rhoda. We had. Um, we had a few feminine characters that, like, were again weren't dubbed a spinster. weren't just didn't trade success or that that cliche have it all. Like that right. makes no sense. Like there's men that have children. They're like it's not have it all. It's just life. <laughs> like right. you have kids exactly. or you don't. You have a career. That's part of life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't think even in the 90s, which that's crazy that like we're not like about that life even in the 90s they were not ready to make hillary because even with ellen when ellen was in the 90s when she came out as gay they canceled her show right away so with hillary banks i don't think america was ready unfortunately to have her be successful and have a successful love life yeah that's very sad for sure for sure for sure um and of course the fashion is iconic where her (laughs) clueless owes her money clueless owes her money Run her her money. <laughs> for real. And I love Clueless. It's one of my favorite movies. And uh, no, they definitely owe her some money for that fashion. Or whoever did the wardrobe over at Fresh Prince, whoever was at NBC yes. doing their thing. Yeah. Uh, yes. No. Yes. And in your video, uh, I noticed that, that you highlighted this and you mentioned this. She's she's put together like she's the most responsible person in the house other than <laughs> the judge. Other than the judge. Like she you never have to worry about her. They never like Philip yes. Banks never like has to like bail her out or anything. Right. Never has to like, you know, like throw her money or like that. She doesn't like, she asked for like, like gifts. She doesn't say like, daddy, give me your credit card or something like that. Like she just like things that get her a lot, much more self-sufficient than Tatiana Lee on the show. <laughs> Ashley. Well, she does ask for her daddy's credit card. She does spend his money. And that's why she's so financially responsible. Oh, she, correct me, please. Show me, show me the way. Yeah, she splurged and she, you know, had this fabulous life, but she kept her coins, okay? She stacked ah, up all the coins. I like that. That's she right. was financially stable, okay? And had the men in her life, particularly her daddy, <laughs> bankroll her lifestyle. <laughs> what was Trevor? What what occupation did he have? I forgot. He worked at the, uh, he worked at the, he was a newscaster. That's how she met ah, him. Ah, that's right. She was a weather that's girl. Right. All right. Yeah. Her name is Karen Parsons. Uh, Actually, I just saw Jeffrey uh, the Butler on a new show. Also, I think he was on. Um, I think recently he was just on. Oh, they don't show it, but I think he was just on uh, Ratchet. Ratchet, mm-hmm. the uh, the spinoff of uh, One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I'm okay. really looking forward to seeing the real Aunt Viv too in the reunion. I think Me I may too. do a video on her because you know when she the original Aunt Viv was she did have it all. She was a professor and she was married and she was strong and she was the lead and she was fashionable. Um, so maybe that's why they get rid of her. I don't know. <laughs> right. And that reminds me of the Huxtables and then and I was going to make a joke, but I'll bring it back right now. Uh, Freaking uh, Karen Parsons probably looking at Will like all throughout these years like. Don't you get Bill on us? I like these royalties because Michael Jamal Warner is fucking pissed. Michael Jamal Warner be on like on the air, be like, "Damn, I was living. Now you got to make me work. Now I got to show up on Ray Donovan and shit. Now I got to show up on Sneaky Pete. I was I was living life like you just said, man. I, fucking Ma- Malcolm and Joe. What was that show with Eddie Griffin? Out Malcolm Joe. He's like, damn. I don't, I don't even- oh yeah, I know. What you- I said Malcolm in the middle, but not Malcolm in the middle. I know. What you're about. My son fair. <laughs> <Wrong show. laughs> 
But uh, no, man. Uh, no, I agree with you, Aunt Viv. I'm looking forward to that type of video because that's really in depth. Yeah. And there's a lot of there's a lot of false information about what happened. So I'm glad that they're bringing her on there to set the record straight. Because I'm glad they healed because stories. she said a lot of terrible things about Will Smith. She on her own platform has what, like what is, run. Oh, shit. You're teaching me right now. I didn't know it's clue. Oh, yeah. She's been very – she's definitely come off as very bitter. And I probably would be, too, if what she says is true and what happened to her. So I'm, I am like that they're healing and that they're coming together because I've seen on her – well, on his side, Will Spencer just ignored it and never responded to anything that she said. But she's definitely been very vocal about being having been mistreated. Cool. So before we go – let us know what else is like, what else do you want to know? Like what else like you're working on? What are things that have got you to this? Not just the pandemic. I know that that inspired you, but like yeah. it's a long journey to my narratives, like yeah. you're traveling where you've lived, the things that you've encountered, the different people that have transformed you, that you've transformed yourself. How did you get here? And what is on the horizon from this project? No, oh, I appreciate that. Um, I think what's gotten me here in terms of like just being interested in uh, femininity and, and feminine power has uh, definitely been, you know, part of it is seeing, you know, people on Instagram and just, you know, dressing up really nice and having all these luxury things and luxury lifestyle of black women. That's a, I think that's a big trend that's happening on Instagram right now. But for me, just thinking about how to use feminine power and feminine energy in your everyday life for everyday people um, and how there's a lot of benefits to feminine qualities and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're weak or you don't talk or you let men run all over you. And just the idea that femininity can be used in a powerful way to just uplift your, your spirits and your self-esteem and your personal development. Um, I'm looking forward to folks going to my narratives.com and downloading my free journal. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully in 2021, um, creating an online course about how to use feminine energy to your benefit in your everyday life. And I'm just looking forward to just making more videos. You know, I've done a lot of Disney, so I'm trying to move on to different genres. I want to, you mentioned Lovecraft Country. I think there's a lot of feminine lessons in those. And there between those two strong female characters in that show and just analyzing different things from pop culture and how we can break it down and really celebrate women, you know? Um, so yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. You mentioned Misha Green, um, the creator of Lovecraft Country. She also created, uh, I believe, uh, Underground with uh, the same yeah. actress, uh, Journey. Uh, Journey oh, Smollett. Yeah. Uh, Smollett, yes. She's amazing. Great actress. She's She was a child actress, too. She's been around for a very long time. Value, yeah. So even just Misha Green, like, um, I'm not saying I'm, don't do a video on her, but I, even just her, <laughs> like, her story of, like, making, like, okay, so I had a co-host that we had, like, a big tip on one of the episodes about 12 Years a Slave. Mm. And she basically was just like, I've seen enough about slavery. I don't need to see this. And I'm just like, Dang. and mm. obviously it went in crazy directions and I, I got too sensitive and I, I said the, 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 the trope, well, what about Jews? Cause she was Jewish. I'm like, what about the Holocaust? Like we see that every year, like world war two movies, blah, blah, blah. So the reason why I say Misha green is she, nobody, it's popular now. The Tulsa riots are in Lovecraft Country. Like uh, Watchmen had uh, the Tulsa riots and stuff like that. For some oh, reason, no, yes. Yeah, oh, for some reason, now everybody knows about Black Wall Street. Five years ago, you you used to have to like try to convince people like that it actually happened. Right. Like we even that, like, years. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Nineteen twenty one. Like I like what what else do I need to tell you? They're just like, no, we didn't. What are you talking about? Blah blah blah. Like yeah, no, it was the most black wealth in history. In history, all in one spot. On one spot. So my my thing is Misha Green has made it palatable. 
she's made it popular. Like not just her, her herself, obviously no. uh, Stephen Queen um, and uh, uh, Mr. Uh, what's the name? Daniels, the guy from um, Empire. You know, they came out with those things. Um, but I, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate because like a lot of people think that like if you make either like about slavery, civil rights, all those type of uh, Jim Crow, they automatically think that's supposed to be sad or something like that. Like that movie um, with uh, Just Mercy with uh, Michael B. Jordan. That's that's a great movie. Not very uplifting. <laughs> Not very mm. uplifting. Sad. Even the book is sad. But something like Lovecraft Country connecting pop culture, connecting science fiction. Even with Journey, they had a lot of hip hop in the music and the soundtrack and stuff like that. Misha Green is making that very palatable for America and is bringing it in, in my opinion, trending uh, content. Trending content. Yeah, for sure. It's good to see. It's nice to see our stories on the big screen and becoming more mainstream. Oh, yeah. Where else are you? You have MayaNarratives.com. What other platforms yeah. can we find you? I'm on Instagram at MayaNarratives and YouTube is MayaNarratives. All right. Are you on Twitter at all? I'm, I know I was on Twitter, but I had to get off during the pandemic because it's just too late. I do sneak on there. I have a little, you know, I have a little ghost account. I, I peek in once in a while. I'll stay for a little bit, see a few Beyonce memes, and then I'll see something where people oh, are fighting shit. each other. And I'll <laughs> right, the lynch mob is run, out there. Run back uh, out. <laughs> oh my god! No, no, you're absolutely right. No, good for you. Lucky, lucky you. Good for you. God, I'm like addicted to Twitter. Oh my god. Uh, I used to be. I had to like slowly feed myself off of it. Like, okay, no Twitter after 8 p.m. <laughs> I swear to God, I had to do that. <laughs> right, we're gonna have to do that to the orange-colored Tang Turd. We're gonna have to give him fucking limits on that he's gone in the fucking wind uh okay so speaking of twitter you can find keep up on keep up ny on twitter you can find us on instagram keep up nyc uh you can see this lovely video on youtube we'll be producing that and distributing that on tuesday on still insane's channel um hey if you want the footage too i'll i have no problems uh, syndicating i don't know why i never nobody's ever asked me that by the way i have no problem syndicating cross channel uh, we're also on, and, and my narratives also uh, called me out that Patreon is not fully set. It is, it is set up though. It is live. It just doesn't have the subscription tiers yet, which is basically not a Patreon. So she's right. But we had a couple of members that were slacking, and now it's all on me. So it'll be done. It's all good. Um, yeah, that's my fault for dropping the ball on that. What else? Where are we? Uh, we're on Pinterest. We're on Twitch. That's also Keep Up NY. We're on Facebook. That's Keep Up Shut Up. And yeah, so thank you so much, my narratives. Thank you so much. We went to school together, DePaul alumni, Posse alumni, Chicago yeah. uh, hey. resident, travel of the world. We're so hey. icon on the, in the making. I hope <laughs> to see you do so many big things because again, I don't, again, we don't need to get too deep into this. But um, you you've been an advocate for a long time, and not to say that you're like retired or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> But like, seriously, man, like there's, there's a reason why you're just like, you step back and just like, you do your thing. I need, I want to be happy right now and step in whenever you want. You're very in tune with the world. It doesn't matter. So very proud of what you're doing. I hope we collaborate more in the future. I hope you teach me some things. I hope I can show up on some content of yours. I love your shit. I love it all. I appreciate you. Right back at you. So proud of you. You got it. So here we go. You better shut the fuck up. Listen up and keep up with Maya Narratives and Sylvan Sane over and out, homies. <laughs>